You're listening to a message from Impact Student Ministry, a middle and high school-oriented production of The Summit Church. It's good to see your faces. If we haven't met before, my name is Brian. What's your names? Okay, I got it, got it. So I want to make a declaration. I've been more than friends with the same girl for 21 years. There she is right here. Check this out. Check this out. Right there. And you're wondering, you're wondering, how did he get so lucky? Or maybe you're wondering, how did she get so lucky? Am I right? No, no, no. I'm not serious. I'm not serious. We celebrated our 19th wedding anniversary two weeks ago, the day before Valentine's Day. I planned that pretty well. I never forget. Um, it's been pretty awesome, guys. It's been an awesome ride. Being more than friends with the same girl for 21 years has been totally worth it. I would do it again a million times over. And so tonight, uh, I'm excited about what I get to talk to you about. But I want to say that last song that you just did, did Emily kill it? Yeah. Her vocals are on point. And I was just listening to her. I'm like, wow, she is really just gotten just amazing. Like, Emily, you killed it. Lane on keys killed it. The band killed it. And I was sitting there thinking about that last song, and, and I really like it because it's very poetic. And then we were seeing pictures of the leaders pop up, and I'm like, wow, they look really young. You know, they, they, they were looking good, and you still look good, but you, I mean, you, had, you were looking good back then. And then I started thinking about, there's one thing I don't like about that song, and, and it's nothing personal, but I don't like falling. Like, falling is bad. Would you agree? Falling is bad. Like, when I hear people talk about falling, I'm usually thinking about an accident. Like, I wrote a list of why falling is bad. Bear with me here. This is my top eight list. Number one, one time, my daughter May was a little girl. And she fell off a scooter and broke her arm. It didn't help that she was wearing high heels and going down a steep hill. (laughs) May was on an impact outing this past year at Skate World. She fell again. She broke the same arm again. Falling is bad. When my son Micah was two, he face-planted in my parents' kitchen and busted his face. He went to the hospital, and they put him on drugs. He was talking crazy. Falling is bad. I have fallen down the stairs of my house and sprained my ankle. Falling is bad. One time, I was riding my bicycle down a hill. I decided I would go as fast as I could and take a 90-degree turn. After my head collided with the curb and I got a concussion and went to the hospital and vomited, well, I just decided falling is bad. My wife, Brooke, she's falling down just walking at the mall. That's embarrassing. Falling is bad. 
I've known people to fall out of trees, off ladders, and other things. And they would agree falling is bad. Have you ever heard of life alert? <laughs> Don't laugh. Life alert is a device for elderly people when they can press a button to get help when they fall down. They market the device with the phrase, I've fallen and I can't get up. Falling is also the leading cause of death for elderly people. I have concluded that falling is bad. Now, if you haven't been with us the last two weeks, I want to get you caught up because what has happened here the last two weeks has been pretty darn awesome. And two weeks ago, Chris talked about this idea that when you date somebody, when you date them, they should make you better, not worse. And that as a filter, it's good to ask the question, is this dating relationship making me better as a person or is it making me worse? Great question to ask. And then last week, the guys got the boot and got kicked out of here. Was that last week? Yeah, you got kicked out. And you talked about sex, right? You talked about sex. Anytime you say sex, anytime you want someone's attention to say sex, you know, and people are like, tomorrow you'll be at school in the lunchroom. Sex! No, don't do that. Don't do that. You will get suspended. But I can do that right now because I have the microphone. Sex, you talked about sex and regret. And how oftentimes sex and regret are friends and not in a good way. A lot of people have regret. Some people in this room have regret. They seem to be companions oftentimes. And so you talked about that, and it was pretty heavy. Now, I do want to say something that's very important because oftentimes when it comes to church and sex, we get things kind of messed up in our head. First of all, let me say that sex is great. Pretty hands. Sex is great. In the right state. No, not that state. Take that down. In the state of marriage. Sex is great in the right state. When you go home and your parents say, what did you learn at Impact? You say, sex is great. And just kind of let that hang. And then you say, in the right state. That state being marriage. And they'll like what you have to say. But you may shock them at first. And that's great because you need to shock your parents sometimes, right? They just need a little bit of a mix-up because life gets boring. And we want to keep life not boring. But with that in mind, I'm going to come back to the idea of falling in love. And falling in love is generally about attraction. Generally, when I see someone, I'm like, oh, it was love at first sight. I'm thinking the person looked good, right? Girl looked good. He looked good, right? You do look good, by the way. Thank you, thank you. My head looks like a cue ball, but that's okay. It's not funny. Not funny. So, falling in love is oftentimes when we think about the concept based on attraction. And here's the thing. Someone can look good for you, but they could be bad for you. 
They can look good to you, but they can be bad for you. And some of you understand this, that when you've seen someone, they've looked good to you. They were bad for you because they didn't take you in a direction that, that ultimately was one that you wanted to go down. Uh, they took you to a destination that wasn't what you really intended it to be because they looked good. And you kind of fell for them. You just kind of, whoa. And then it was almost like an accident because when you fall, usually it's an accident. And so that idea of falling in love while it sounds very romantic, can oftentimes lead us down a pathway and lead us to a destination that we don't want to go to. And so one of the things I want us to think about tonight as we move forward is about love and getting beyond the idea of falling in love. How do we really make love last? Because a lot of us wonder, can it really happen? Like when you hear someone's been married for 19 years, I actually had one of my friends. He's been married 19 years, too. We're like the same age. And he's like, I've been married 19 years. Oh, yeah, cool. I've been married 19 years. And we are talking about this the other day. And he's like, yeah, I was talking about this in, in front of a college student. And the college student looked at me and said, dude, how'd you do that? <laughs> and then he was like, at first I was offended. Like, was he talking about me personally? But what the guy was talking about is how did you manage to stay married for 19 years to the same woman? Because it was so rare in his mind. And so how do you grow in love? How do you stay in love? How do you make your more than friends relationships meaningful, not full of regret, but something you, you look at and go, man, this was amazing. Well, that's what I want to talk about tonight. And to do that, I'm going to talk about a guy who messed up in a lot of his relationships. He, he's, this guy, he, he, was, he was really a pretty bad guy. He messed up in a lot of his relationships. He did some pretty horrible things. And then he had a life encounter, life-changing encounter with Jesus. And he bumped into him, and Jesus said, hey, I want you to do some incredible things for me. And he ended up writing all these books that are now in the Bible. We call it the section of the Bible the New Testament. And we're going to look at just a few of his words tonight. And if you internalize these words and put them into action, your relationships will begin to grow and mature and in ways you can never imagine, and ultimately lead you into a love that lasts. It is possible. And so we're going to look at uh, Philippians chapter 2, verse 1. And Paul, he, he writes this, these words, to a group of Christians, people who buy into this Jesus thing. He says, hey, if, is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? So he's saying, okay, these are kind of rhetorical questions. You guys know that you've been encouraged because you belong to Christ. And even if you don't belong to Christ, some of these words tonight, you're going to go, hey, if I put these to action, these, these can work for me. But if you are a believer, he's saying, hey, you, you know you have encouragement from this. Do you get any comfort from his love, knowing that his love is steady, it's never ending, it's always there, it's constant? Any fellowship together in the Spirit? Connecting with other people. You guys have connected tonight, man. You've connected like, like unbelievably. Hearing you guys sing, it was awesome. I'm so, I feel honored that I get to be a part of that. And then he says, are your hearts tender and compassionate? And this is the thing. As you realize that you are loved, your heart grows in tenderness and compassion. You want a love that lasts? It's going to need to grow in tenderness and compassion. And then in verse 2, he says this. He says, to make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. One mind and purpose. I think about the great teams that I like to watch. Sport, I love sports. And I like to think about the great teams. 
Those teams have the ability to become one in their mind and purpose. I think about great churches. They get focused in their mind and purpose, receive and share the love of Jesus. That is our focus here at the Summit Church. One mind, one purpose. I think about great families. While they may not always get along because no family does, ultimately they come back to working things out. When things go sideways, they work them out because one mind, one purpose. And I think about great relationships. And I think, I think about, hey, what relationships do I see that last and that are great as I look around me? you got two people that develop one mind and one purpose. And then in verse 3, he says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. He says, move from the mentality of self-promotion. Me, me, me. I'm going to put myself up but, and, and then others down. I'm going to try to make myself look good. I'm going to try to make myself look real good. He said, no, no. I'm going to bring myself down, and I'm going to put other people up above myself, essentially saying that I'm going to think of others better than me. And then he concludes this in, in verse 4. Don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others. How do you take an interest in others? Let me give you a couple, couple practical ways you can do this. First of all, it's pay attention. Pay attention. Some of you are you're like on your phone all the time. Like, I mean, it's like you just, you're just there, man, and it's, it's cool. I understand. I'm on my phone a lot too. And you can't even pay attention because you got your head down. But I, ch- I would challenge you, if you want to have great relationships, get your head up, pay attention to what's happening around you, and begin to pay attention to what people are interested in. And then follow it up with asking questions. Ask questions about what they're interested in. Get to know them. By paying attention and by asking questions, you begin to learn. You begin to grow. And your relationship can go to places it never went before because you're not worried about promoting yourself. You're worried about promoting others. Paul, in another book, writes these words that have so much relational power. They, 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 can, they can blow your mind. And he's writing it in, in terms of marriage. And some of you are like, why would you share a marriage verse with us? Why would you share marriage advice with me? Because what you practice now will determine what you actually do later. So what you practice in your relationships now will play out in your relationships later. And so that's why I share with you a vision of what you want to be because you can start practicing that right now. Great teams do that. They practice what they want to be, like they're going to play. And in Ephesians 5.21, he says this, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. This idea of submission means to put someone before yourself. It means to say, you know what? I'm going to consider your interest before my own, which we kind of saw that in Philippians. But see, this right here, to do this, you don't fall into this. You choose this. You choose this idea to say, I'm going to put someone before me. It's not something that comes naturally. Naturally, I want to put myself before anyone else. And if you guys are being honest, you probably would say the same thing too. Naturally, I want my way. I want my schedule to go the way it should go every single day, the way I scheduled it. But oftentimes it doesn't because of interruptions and rude people and the dog taking a dump on the carpet it's like gosh 
But let me tell you this. Submission is a choice. It's not something you fall into by accident. And love that lasts is based on this idea of you before me, mutual submission, you before me. And if you want a relationship that pops, you want a relationship that grows, you want a relationship that, t- that, that you look at and say, this is more than friends, and this is going somewhere, you practice this, you before me. Now, for me, I've been married for 19 years, been with my wife, dated her for two years prior to that, so 21 years, we've been more than friends. One of the ways that I know she likes to be loved is to spend time, quality time, face-to-face time, one-on-one, nobody else. So you know what I've decided to do? Every single week, we go on a date night. It's just the two of us, and we sit together. And we just talk about whatever we want to talk about. Sometimes it's serious. Sometimes it's funny. Sometimes it's not serious at all. It's just about life. But we have one-on-one time together. And what begins to happen is she feels loved, and our relationship grows. I like food. A lot of you relate to me. You feel me. My woman is so amazing. She cooks for me. And she cooks good. And she knows that that's the way to my heart is a good meal. And so she hooks me up with food and cooks for me. She does my laundry. I mean, my, my underwear, I mean, she like, I mean, she does that. Like, who wants to wash another person's underwear? Like, some of you, you have to do that at your house, and it's like, this is disgusting. Like, do you use toilet paper? Seriously. But I digress. I'm sorry. She does my laundry, and she does things for me because she knows that one of the ways I feel loved is when someone serves me. She practices you before me. I practice, you, practice the idea of you before me with her. And it goes back and forth. It's called mutual submission. If you want to have a relationship that lasts, practice mutual submission. But here's the thing. Find someone else who, who thinks the same way as you before me. And you'll have a love that lasts. And see, for some of you tonight... You, you, you came in here, and it's like, okay, this sounds like a great idea. But you're missing that part when it comes to that receiving the love of Jesus peace. You would say, you know, I, I'm me, God. We got some distance between us. Let me just say this. No matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, God's love is relentless. We just sang about it. His love is relentless. And tonight he may be coming for you to invite you into a relationship with him. Because what he did through his son Jesus is he said, I'm going to put you before myself by going to the cross. And what happens when you receive Jesus as your Savior to pay the price for your sins is you become a son of God or a daughter of God. And that's the first step toward being able to then then put into action the idea of, of you before me. So this is what I want to say to you tonight. Young men, if you've put your faith in Jesus, you are sons of God. And young women, if you've put your faith in Jesus and you've received his love, you are daughters of God. And what that makes you is it makes you royal. It makes you royalty. It makes you son 
uh, or daughter of the creator of the universe. The very one who sent his own son to say you before me toward you. He said, I'm going to put you before myself. He did it first. He modeled it. And when you choose to enter into a relationship with him, then you can have the best relationships possible when you date and when you get married with other people here on earth. See, that's a love that lasts is when you say, I, I got that right here. I'm a son. I'm a daughter. And now I can go practice this you before me idea here because of what he did with me here. So I don't know where you are tonight. But I want to tell you this, that because of what Jesus did, he has no rival. He has no equal. And there's no time like right now to receive the love of Jesus. So what I'd like to do is I'd like to pray for us. I'd like you to take an attitude of prayer, whatever that is for you, uh, but to take an attitude of prayer where you wouldn't distract anybody else around you. Maybe may be bowing your head and closing your eyes, but, but whatever, wherever you can focus best on God. And I want to give you just a few moments to talk to him and just wherever you are in this whole dating thing, wherever you are in this relationship with him, just spend a few moments to talk to him about what may be on your heart right now. Tonight, if you walk into this room not sure about where you were with God or this relationship with Jesus, and right now you want to receive the love of Jesus, you want to receive what Jesus did for you on the cross by believing in him as your Savior, I want to challenge you right now to tell him in that quiet voice in your mind to say, right now, I want to receive your love, Jesus. I believe you are my Savior. Tonight, if you would say, I've already done that, I want to challenge you right now to talk to God about this and to say, whether you're a son or daughter, to say, God, help me to remember that I'm your son and your daughter when it comes to my dating relationships. And then lastly, say, God, help me to practice the idea of you before me and my relationships. I'm going to pray for you now. God, we thank you for these strong men and these strong young women. And I pray in the name of Jesus that they would experience your love that is relentless, that is unending, that is here present with us right now that they would realize that they are royalty and that, God, you have no rival, you have no equal because of what you did through Jesus Christ by him giving his life for us, by putting us first, by saying you before me. And God, I pray you would help these young men and women of courage to live that out in their relationships. God, I thank you for how you have chosen to bless me with an incredible wife and an incredible life because of it. And I pray you would help us to continue to be the examples that we need to be. I thank you for these, these incredible people. And I look forward to how you're going to 
work in their lives. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you would like to get more information on Impact Student Ministry or The Summit Church, visit us online at thesummitchurch.net.